Welcome back to A Fresh Story, the podcast where we have conversations about brave decisions to start over again. I'm Olivia. And I'm Jenny. And we're so glad you're here today. Hello, 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 sister. How are you? I am good. Uh, Where are you, Olivia? Yeah, we're recording in a new space today, which is not officially our podcast space yet. No. <laughs> we uh, we had a morning, so I was taking the kids down to the bus this morning, mm-hmm. walking to the, them to the bus down our parents' street, and there was lots of trucks for tree trimming. No, it's no, not electric. tree trimming. It was electric. It was I a- think it's funny that you call it electric. I call it power. Okay. Well, I, I feel like it's, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, there were- uh, There was uh, electric truck. Okay. Anyway, and I I dropped the kids. They got on the bus. They went to school. I'm walk. I I usually walk in the morning. I was going to do my two mile walk, and I walked. What we usually walk? Yeah, we usually walk in the morning. Well, you weren't there, but I was just saying. Right. I meet you on your walk, and you texted me. They're still out there because they were. We'll walk later, right? So I was right. So I was walking back down the street, and one of the um guys from the company looks at me Mm -hmm. and mumbled something. I had no idea what he mumbled. And I said, oh, excuse me? And he said, oh, do you know that your power is going to be out from nine until one today? And I said, excuse me? You looked very was, powerful. So he knew I, you needed you. Power. I was very nice to him. I said, really? He said, "We well, they should have called you to tell you. And they did not. So I put on my, uh, thank God I had taken my ADHD medication. Sometimes <laughs> I wait till after my walk to do that. Um, Jenny was still getting ready at this point. So I, before I even told I Jenny what was going asleep. on. When I heard that I wanted we were to walking, I figured yeah. I took 20 extra minutes. It was 820. I was, I, within I, those 20 minutes, this whole thing pivoted. So I quickly got a text over to our, our amazing aunt, who is also a Fresh Starts expert, um, professional organizer. And she lives in Huntington near us. And I said, did you leave for work yet? Can you leave the back door open? Because she has a beautiful office that we can come work in. She has and- a beautiful office that features some of the furniture that I had in my home, which true. I'm so grateful for because it's it's getting such a great life. You know, And it's I like get an to work here and our pictures of our grandfather are here, which yeah. I love. And I'm in her kitchen right? because so, we can't be. In the- so big shout out to our angel of the day, Aunt Leslie, because mm-hmm. we had a, a big podcast interview lined up today with... Laura Danger, aka that, that darn, darn chat. chat. Yeah, her? and uh, we were we've both individually been following Laura on TikTok for mm-hmm. a year, almost, two years now, mm-hmm. uh, since TikTok became TikTok. Well, Jenny was on TikTok way before I was. Yeah, way before. well, just yeah. the beginning of the pandemic yeah. is when um, I got on it. And you know, here at Fresh Starts, we talk a lot about weaponized incompetence and equity in the home, domestic labor, mm-hmm. um, especially surrounding the divorce, breakup, marriage, family chats, mm-hmm. and when you know. We started watching Laura and everything she was doing. We were like, we need to make this person our best friend. And um, so we started, we reached out to her to see if she wanted to come on the podcast. And that was a few months ago. And in those last few months, we've become really friendly with her. And so we were very excited to chat with her today. And thank God we had a space to do that in. Um, But we had an amazing conversation with Laura about her pivots her career Mm -hmm. pivots and how she got into the fair play consulting coaching world and then we really talked a lot about weaponized incompetence and our experience with it and her thoughts on it and it was a really mind-blowing eye-opening episode so hope you enjoy it it's kind of a blast in a dark sort of way and she's fantastic. And she has some, she's at the end of the episode that has some big news, yeah. uh, which we're super excited about for her. But, you know, uh, 
remember to rate, review, and subscribe to a fresh story so that we can keep telling stories and uh, sharing sharing everything. <laughs> Enjoy, Laura. Laura is a certified life coach, licensed educator, content creator, and certified fair play facilitator who has been facilitating, coaching, and community organizing in Chicago for over 12 years. She has advanced endorsements in the areas of English as a second language and learning disabilities. Laura facilitates workshops, retreats, coaches, individuals, and couples, and creates educational content in an effort to create a more equitable world. She is passionate about domestic equity, the value of domestic labor, and how empowerment out in the world starts with empowerment at home. I literally have chills reading that. Um, <laughs> Laura is a celebrity in our household. Mm -hmm. um, we talk about her all the time as though she's mm -hmm. our best friend. <laughs> and uh, we'll get into it today. But we, you know, she's definitely contributed to some major, major breakthroughs in our own lives. So we're super excited to have you here today, Laura. I'm thrilled. I'm really excited. And I know, I mean, we are friends. We, we have are, got we are. become very friendly on Twitter. Yep. Um, and now we're here. Now we're I'm here. really excited to be here. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, we're so thrilled to have you here. I just said this off camera to Laura, but I'll say it on camera too, because I don't care anymore. I 100% know that part of the, what led me to ending my engagement was watching Laura's videos and sort of digging into what weaponizing confidence is. Mm -hmm. And we can definitely talk about that later, but Laura, we're so thrilled to have you here. Would you like to take us back to the beginning of your Fresh Starts journey and sort of bring us to where you are today? Sure. Um, so I feel like my my journey has been the last several years. Um, but as you read in my bio, I'm I'm a licensed educator. I am a career educator, and outside of that, I've worked with adults and coaching for several years. But uh, I was in the classroom for ten years, mm. and I loved it. I loved it so much. Um, I love education. I love creating. Like yeah. curriculum and all of that stuff, which in the last year, I've had a great opportunity to do that. Um, and by the time this gets posted, I will, everyone in the world will know that there, I created a curriculum for young people mm. to learn about domestic equity and um, with fair play. So I'm really excited. Amazing. About that. that gives me fair chills. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, but I would say <clears throat> my first start has been it, it, I mean, it hit rock bottom. I'm sure that's not a unique experience with a lot of people, but I hit rock bottom um, with my mental health and with burnout. And I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old now, but throughout the pandemic, being home and teaching and uh, going to college at night online and all of it just kind of came to a head, um, I want to say like fall, summer, fall of 2021. Mm. And I was beginning to talk about things like, um, and I'll, I'll give a brief of, of what fair play is, but Please. like domestic equity in my own home for the last several years, so three years or so, um, talking about it very often online and realizing that all of that domestic equity and digging into my own values was all tied together with what I was, I was self-sacrificing, not just at home, but everywhere in my life, friendships work. And I just kept being like, you know, a little bit of a struggle 
is that makes me good. That's mm-hmm. like, I'm valuable. I'm making myself useful and productive and all of, I had so much of my personality and my own value and how I saw myself tied to martyrdom. And so as I started getting loud about this, like, you know, I, I started with me seeing it in friends and trending jokes online and all of this. And then I was like, Oh, Whoa, this is way deeper. This is, yeah, it's a lot. Uh, and so I quit my job and now I just like coach other people (laughs) and yeah, talk loudly about like, and I'm talking to myself when I make Mm -hmm. these videos, I'm like, talking to my past self, my current self, everybody. Mm-hmm. I'm in it. I'm in it with everyone. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So um, how did you find the fair play, everything? Mm-hmm. And yes, definitely give us like a background on that. Cause how did you find yourself from the classroom, you know, background into, cause you could have coached and I mean, you are a certified life coach as well, right? So you could have gone into yes. anything, but this was a very niche topic. So how did you find yourself there? Well, it's interesting because it's niche, but it's not right. Like it's, it seems niche, right? Like to your point, Laura, like it's niche, but it's everything. It's like you go into this tiny little route and then it's all the under systems of everything we do. Everything. Yeah. So I found, I found fair play and like this world of domestic equity. I want to say September, 2019. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I'm like, all of it is the pandemic hitting. Like now yeah. I'm like, is it pre-pandemic post? Yeah. Um, so a couple of months before we went into lockdown, I had this, I had a six month old at home Yeah. and the three-year-old and I had to get a new job. This is like a horrible aside, but I got laid off while I was five days into my maternity leave with my wow. second. Wonderful. So I had to, I, I interviewed for the job that I got 10 days postpartum, like still in the diaper, you know how it goes. Mm -hmm. So I entered into a new work environment, the fall of 19. And I, um, you know, there's like all these social things you have to navigate and I'm pumping at work. So I can't even like sit down at lunch and make friends. And Mm. it's, it, it was a big thing. And then I was so stressed out, had no social connections, was like taking work home, rushing home. I, somebody's like, Hey, you should read this book. Um, and so I got fair play an audio from the library. If anyone wants a copy of it, it's at like every library yeah. and I'm driving home, rushing around with all of this chaos in my world. And of course, thinking I'm the most valuable, important, strongest woman in the world. Yeah. And She, the author, who's great, her voice is amazing, is reading to me a list of the mental load. Like she, she has break broken down a household. Most households require, um, it's like a hundred tasks and give or take and 60, if you're just a couple 40 additional, Mm -hmm. if you have a kid and she goes through and she's like, okay, most couples think that if you're doing like, Hey, can you help out with the groceries? You're getting the groceries from the store. And the person who got the groceries from the store thinks they did the groceries Right. Or the person who folds the laundry and puts it upstairs thinks they did the laundry. Mm-hmm. And the person who's like, okay, but did I tell you the hamper was full? Did I know what clothes need to be washed? Did I remind you? Did I pick up the stuff around the house? Right. 
Do I know what size the kids yeah. need next? Am I putting them in storage so that I can then pass them off in the free swap group? Mm-hmm. Do I know the allergies, the food preferences, which store has what, if I have enough time to go to Trader Joe's, because it takes a long mm-hmm. time to park in those freaking parking spots. Yeah. Yeah. She's reading it in my ears and I was enraged. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that I didn't have a husband who was helpful. He was very helpful. It was like, oh, I didn't even realize. I didn't realize how much I was carrying yeah. and why I was so pissed all the time, even though he was helping me. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was like this light bulb moment. And then it was, you know, you have those moments in your life where you're like, oh, I can't go back. Yep. I can't unlearn yeah. that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We talk a lot here about um, Joseph Campbell and, you know, the call to action. And <laughs> we we have found that many of the people we have on this show have that moment of call to action. Right. And that was your call to action. Um, and I am just going to preface this by there's a good chance I'm going to cry on this episode because everything you say is just, you know, it's so true. And it, it I'm exhausted listening to you list that thing, mm-hmm. all of those things. Right. So, so you're enraged, you're driving home. What's your next step? What do you, what's kind of your pivot there? So the book was eye opening, but I didn't know what to do about it. Right. And I spent the next couple of months, like, I think it brought it up. I came home and I was like, oh, I read this interesting book. Um, but I wasn't, I wasn't ready to like do anything about it. Anyway, the, it felt like an overwhelming task to introduce Fair play is a way of talking about that and dividing it. Mm-hmm. So it's not just like get pissed. It's actually this system communication tool. Right. It's really cool. The first time I brought it up a couple months later, um, I it was a disaster. It was a huge fight. I was I was ready to like keep score and be mad. I, I was like attacking. I came in right. swinging. Right. Um but then the pandemic happened and we were in full chaos mode and both of us still working with the kids. And it took a couple more months for me to start implementing this. And honestly, prior to finding fair play, I, I was implementing things to undo this idea of like motherhood is martyrdom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I had built in protected time for myself and I do things like work in mutual aid in my neighborhood which kicked up huge, um, early pandemic days. Yeah. And so I had the tools to communicate like, Hey, if I go out for several hours, I could communicate and be like, these are the tasks I would have done while Mm -hmm. I was gone. And I was able to communicate. I want to not worry. I'm not going to worry about it. You've Mm -hmm. got this. You're an incredible father. You know how to take care of these kids. I've kind of been gatekeeping some of this information. Mm-hmm. So I gave, we started slowly moving without implementing this system. Yeah. And eventually we started using the shared language. And then at one point we it felt good to sit down. My husband right. read the book and we really started using these tools, like setting a standard of care in our household. Mm-hmm. Right talking about what a task really takes and deciding who's going to do what. Um, but yeah, even that, I mean, it's still separately. It's, I still got so burnt out that I yeah left my major career. <laughs> it's amazing so to me separate though, things. Two separate things. I felt for so long, like 
Like, I like to hear that there are men that you can come to them and be like, Hey, like we're not really doing it ideally. And it took you some time and it had to happen sort of organically on your path, but that we're willing to read the book, willing to sit down. And I see these guys on, on, you know, TikTok or whatever, but I don't know if I always totally believe it. And so, uh, you know, I was in, and it's like, at the time I, I left my engagement in June, 2021. And I was, I used to call myself the primary parent, but we didn't have any kids. Like that's uh-huh. how I, I didn't have a term to refer to. And when you're talking about like, well, the one who goes to the grocery store isn't, isn't the one that does the groceries. Well, I was the one that thought about the groceries and thought about allergies and thought about what he wants to eat and thought about what I want to eat and also went to the grocery store. And I was, I did all of it. Like there was no piece of it I wasn't doing, except maybe he'd help me bring the laundry down to the laundromat. Cause we lived in Queens, you know, the, the last day that we were together and this isn't even why we broke up. We got into a huge fight because there was a broken banana in the bag of bananas. And he was like, I just think that when you're at the store, you should just make sure there are no broken bananas. And I was like, <laughs> I'm going crazy. Like you're mm-hmm. driving me yeah. insane. You think that this is just a small thing on top of, you know, one piece of rice, but you've handed me all the rice. I'm holding a handful of rice. And that wasn't even why we broke up. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, the, it was like the last argument that we ever had. And I really didn't, believe that there were men (laughs) that you could have those conversations with. And then on the other side of it, I'm now engaged to a guy who lives in Scotland. He's English and he lives in Scotland and it's a completely different, I don't know if it's because it's him or if it's because the cultural thing, but like we do the laundry together. Like we collect it together. He puts it in the laundry bath. You know, he does it. I, I hang it because he hates hanging it, but he makes dinner at, you know, while I'm hanging it. And those nights he does the dishes. Like and I didn't know that you could live in equity like that. And it's hard for me sometimes still to like allow him to take over those things because it definitely, there is this idea that like womanhood and martyrdom and like femininity and martyrdom and like, I'm your woman, so I should take care of you. And, you know, he comes in, he's like, but I'm your man, so I should take care of you. Like we, you know, we should do these <laughs> things for each other. And I had no idea. And just knowing that there are men out there I was having a conversation about fair play the other day with a female friend of mine. And we were saying like, well, does it work? Does it work to give a man this book? Like, can it ever work? And it's nice to know the answer is like, yes, (laughs) it's not just a lost cause. It is. And I work with tons of couples and Mm -hmm. some of, some of the time it's the primary caregiver who is coming to me or the, the default, the she fault is what's in the book. Mm -hmm. Um, But as I'm, as I use the system more, it's not, doesn't necessarily have to do with gender. Yeah. Um, there's oftentimes a primary at home or a domestic engineer. Um, yeah. And they'll come to me and they'll be like, I don't know how to introduce this without them feeling attacked. And sometimes that happens. And I will be so honest that I want to say as the longer I do this, the more I realize sometimes people fall off because their relationship ends in the middle of us. And it's not, it's a good thing. Yes, it is. I often get emails back that are like, thank you so much. This was the opportunity I needed. Yeah. Yeah. This was, and, and then I get emails a year down the line of people who are like, my relationship has been transformed by this. This is the happiest both of us have ever been. Yeah. And both of those outcomes are good. Yes. Yes, they are. But I think it goes back to something we talk a lot about, which is, do you respect your partner as a human Mm -hmm. being? 
right? Yeah. Do you do you ultimately like look at your partner and say, I like you and I respect you and I want the world to be a better place for you and with yeah. you in it, 100%. right? And if you can, can't have that, then that's not the partner for you. And then that is a beautiful thing to, like we always say, separation is a gift, divorce is a gift, right? Um, so how did you go? So, you know, you had this idea, you read the book, you started the methods. Where did the coaching come in and kind of like getting the business side of all of this off the ground? Um, so my work on TikTok and talking about fair play and talking about domestic equity, um, I started... I, this is not me like patting myself on the back, but the first time, uh, weaponized incompetence was in the news was like, uh, I got written up in an in-style article back in, I think like September, 2021. Um, so I'm the weaponized incompetence person. Yeah. we know uh, That's why we wanted you here. <laughs> you gave a name to what we, we mm -hmm. had suffered from. Yeah. And I, it was, somebody was, was talking about it. I'm not the first person to say like intentional incompetence, like those words. I did not make it up, um, but popularized it definitely. Yes. And I started like really, really talking about this um, and how it goes hand in hand with fair play because you come to fair play and someone's like, what? No, everything's fine. Mm -hmm. And you're like, okay, but we've been fighting about this issue for yeah. five years. So no, it's not fine. Um, it's fine for you. Right, right, right. <laughs> so I started talking about it and I talked about fair play a lot and um, eventually got connected with, so fair play is this book written by Eve Rodsky mm -hmm. and Hello Sunshine, which is Reese Witherspoon's company. Yeah. Yep. They acquired the book. So oh. they connected with me. Hello Sunshine connected with me and um, in the early days of them doing, building this certification training, mm. I got in like <clears throat> round level. So, yeah. um, I've been coaching that specifically for like a year and a half. Um, and it's been doing, like, I did a retreat with camping world where it was completely free. They, everybody wow. who came didn't pay a That's dime awesome. even for the flight. Wow. So there's, it's been this huge growth. Um, and I'm, I'm so grateful to be a part. I feel like I'm a part of this yeah, team now. You are. I'm, I'm myself. I don't represent fair play. Right. Um, I work for myself. I can say whatever I want and use fair play the one, way I want to use it. Um, but it's, that's, what's great about it. Like you said, is it's a niche thing. Like my niche is my niche, mm -hmm. but it's such a universal tool. Yeah. So let's talk about the content creator aspect because that's you did something pretty brilliant, which is you saw that there was a a place on TikTok for you and you know using kind of your your education background and your I'm guessing you know your teacher skills and all of this stuff and you're now opened up to a platform of people sharing videos that you can then use and comment on and and how how did that all happen and were you surprised we talked to a lot of TikTok TikTok creators here and some of them are surprised right some are like I had no idea that I was gonna you know do have this big following and some other like I was trying for a big following what was that like going into that, you know, were you a social media person before that? Or was this like all kind of a new platform for you? Um, I had slow growth on TikTok until I started talking about this. It was like my 
creative, silly, like I would do sound trends and, Mm -hmm. and a lot of random stuff. Um, but I am, I have been on the internet, like perpetually online since dial up. Yeah. Yeah. Us too. Yeah. Yeah. How about you too? I think we're all relatively the same age. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 37. Um, I'm 35. And so I was in AOL chat rooms as, as soon as I could be when I was 12, yeah. you know, and poetry rooms and zines and this and that. And when, I mean, we had Zanga, Live Journal, Blogger. I mean, mm-hmm. every single thing we've been on. I've never not been online for most of my life. So I, I understand that very much. Yeah. Randomly had somebody recently DM me and be like, I think I remember you from Tumblr. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he might have. Um, so where did um where did that darn chat name come from? Because we were we were pondering this today. Okay, so it is it's like a throwaway name. Um, thankfully it sort of works. Like people can tap into it for because you have to have that darn, darn chat. That's yeah. what I yeah yeah that's what yeah. you said. Um, but so I went viral for something that I didn't want to go viral for, like a lot, like I maybe had 50, 60,000 followers when I went, I, I said something critical that could have come off in a negative way. Mm. I was talking about the, the United States military budget and military service members. It seemed like it was critiquing them. And I was like, Oh no, 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 no. Talking about the budget. And so I went very viral for this and people were rightfully upset because anyway, I had to change my username. Oh. It used to be like the username that I've used for forever. Okay. Uh, it had my name in it and it was like really easy. And I had to switch it like overnight to okay. my random, what it is, is my husband is um big on Twitch. Yep. And so I never, I don't stream on Twitch. I have no, but I do chat. Okay. So I made, I love the movie that darn cat. I, it was a play on that darn cat, yeah. but I'm only ever a chat. That's, it, that's a story. And that's what that. happens. And then you get famous and you're associated with yeah. that name for the rest of your I life. I was also, right. and I, I was thinking too, when you darn something, you fix it, right? When, when you, mm-hmm. right. When you, you mend, you mend it. it. Yeah. So I was, I was like, maybe there's like a play there. I don't know. Uh, I I'm going to go with that. That's what I'm going to say next Yes, time. that is my answer. <laughs> um, so what's it, what has it been like, you know, having this big platform? Do you plan out content? I know you do some sponsored stuff too. Um, you know, do you have a strategy or do you kind of just like roll with things? I try to post one original video a day. Um, it used, I used to have a lot more time. When I left my job, I would do multiple videos a day because that was kind of, I was just like healing. Yeah, and, yeah trying to get out of burnout mode. And it was a creative outlet. Yeah. Um, and I had this massive growth, like it was slow, slow, slow. And then I started talking, I made a couple of very viral videos about basically flipping the script on like the things we hear, make me a list. Do you need mm-hmm. me to babysit? Stuff like that. And then the last year I've shifted because I've done this coaching. I've done these workshops. Like I've right. got more of a d- day job. Right. Um, And so what I do is like, I'll get tagged in a million videos. So once a day I'll go to my mentions and if I can see that I've been tagged in a certain video a million Mm -hmm. times, I'll go to it it. and I will decide 
is this one I want to comment on? Do I want to, um, what I do is I do not stitch people unless for very rarely stitch someone unless they are speaking the same language as right. me. Right. And I'll do, I'll do it. I'll stitch if you are on the same page, but if somebody is sharing, I don't do it anymore because I have way bigger following. Someone is sharing something vulnerable. I will not. I don't want them to get negative attention. People mm-hmm. go to their comments and they're like, divorce, leave yeah. them. Yeah. Um, but if it's somebody making a blatant misogynistic joke, right? I do not feel bad. No, nope. I will pull their video. Uh, I started, sometimes I'll block their name out so that they don't get flooded. Yeah. yeah. But I will use it. And I, I try my best not to make it about the person who made the video. Yeah. Right. Unless they have, again, proven themselves to over and over. Build, yes. If they have built their platform on misogyny, I don't feel bad. Yeah. No. They're fair game. But if somebody does like a one-off joke and it's not their normal content, I'll do my best to be like, either do a joke back at them right. or um, use it as an example of a broader right. social norm. Right. You're shining a, you're shining a light. You're saying like, this is what we need to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Do you get a lot of people finding you for counseling and coaching via TikTok? Yes. Yes. Um, pretty much all of, all of the coaching and like some, I get, I've done corporate workshops and things like that. All of that stuff is organic from, um, I want to say most of it is from Instagram because my TikTok Mm -hmm. is I post way more videos on TikTok and I only cross post on the Instagram if it's, um, I want to say more accessible mm-hmm. on TikTok. There's a little bit more context because I can link back to things or right. like reply to a comment that is on a video so that people can click through right. without the context. A lot of it doesn't make sense. So only standalone, like right. videos someone could share with a spouse or something. Right. That makes no, sense. Uh, over on Instagram. So go ahead, Jenny. No, I was just saying like, you're so Olivia and I talk a lot about how once you have a platform, you have to be intentional about it and thoughtful about, you know, all these things. And I just, I want to give kudos for yeah. like how thoughtful you're being. I, I see how careful you are and I see how thoughtful you are and, and it's working. Yeah. I appreciate that. And I, and I misstep. So we all, I, we all do. It can be rough. I've definitely pulled I'm much better about it today, but I've had to pull plenty of videos. And one thing that I have struggled with is a couple of videos. Um, if it's a part of a pattern and if it's intentional, definitely come off as abuse. Mm-hmm. So I have been, I have had some people comment to me, like, if you're not naming it, if you're not calling it abuse, you're yes. doing a disservice to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've spent the last several months trying to figure out like how to be mindful of that. And I, I usually add that caveat, like, first of all, we have no context, but if this is, mm-hmm. if you relate to this, if this is, or I'll add it in the caption, right. like, yeah. It, yeah, you know, the kid is neglected, but it's also like, okay, I have two children. I have a hundred percent had a kid go into the kitchen and get something that they shouldn't have gotten. And then I'm like right. panicked. Right. Stuff it's, sometimes happens. It doesn't mean I'm 
no, neglecting. It's hard to when you're one person. I wonder, like, you know, Olivia and I have our publicists who are completely obsessed with her name is Beth. And she's the one who like kind of every once in a while will be like, hey, hey, back over here. And I think that like when you're a solopreneur um, and you're kind of judging things on your own, sometimes it definitely can be hard to not have that sounding board. Is there anybody that you sort of communicate with on that level? Like, yeah. Do you, do you have a community of people that you work with in this, like the coaching industry or the content creation industry? Yeah, I have a variety. I have fellow fair play facilitators. We're a whole group. So there's therapists, there's a public floor therapist, there's divorce Mm. lawyer, there's all sorts of awesome people. And so we will come together at least once a month and like case study it, be like, Mm. should, should I have done something different here? With content creation, I have a group of content creators that I meet with on a regular basis and we talk. It's gone away from strategy now and more just like friendship. Mm. But I also have, I have close friends who also make content in the same realm. It's, it's a cool community. There's, um, I, as we were sort of mentioning earlier, like there are some men in this sphere right now who are really taking this seriously and being really honest out loud about what's Mm -hmm. going on. One thing that I have said, and I I really hesitated to say this out loud, but on TikTok, um, there's a forward facing content. And then if you follow someone back, there's like a behind the scenes, like friends only. Yeah. And there's a creator who I get tagged in his stuff where there's something off about it. There's, Mm -hmm. I, 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 something really bugs me about what he makes and some people love it. Some people are learning from it. So I'm not going to touch it, but I looked at my friends only. He's not following anybody that I follow. Mm. And I was like, if you're not connected to the domestic equity and partnership realm, you're something's really off. Yeah. So I mentioned it and I, uh, I was like, I'm going to be honest a lot of men friends who are in this world. If your content is marketed toward women and you are yeah. showing off how good of a partner you are, mm-hmm. yep. why? What's what's the agenda there? Mm-hmm. Just so you know, like you can I want you to sit with that question. Are you benefiting directly yep. from shitty men? Yep. What a great question that Just- is. <laughs> And that's, off after that. <laughs> and that's that's media literacy, right? That goes back to media literacy. That goes back to using your intuition, right? You're looking at this going, something feels a little off here. Let's, I want to dive into the weaponized incompetence piece here because I have so much to say about it. Um, mm-hmm. So can you give a little background of like, because there's going to be a lot of people listening to this. What is weaponized incompetence? Okay. So it, it's a variety of things. It could be, um, I'm going to do the dishes poorly on purpose because I don't want to be asked to do it again. Right. It could be not taking something seriously, like not even putting your listening ears on when someone tells you how to do something because mm-hmm. you don't care about it. You don't think it's a big deal. You're not going to put an effort in. And when you don't do that, the other person doesn't find you reliable. You break their trust. Mm-hmm. You again break your trust. Unreliable. You're causing the other person to step in to sacrifice their time and energy to feel anxious. 
So it could be just like, oh, you did a crappy job. I'm not even going to ask you to do it. I've had to ask you eight times, reteach you eight times, forget it. Or mm -hmm. like, hey, can you tell me where the thing is? Can you tell me again? Can you tell me again? Can you tell me? I'm tired of being rejected and asking. So that's, or uh, this happened to me at work. When I talk about weaponized incompetence in my own life, I didn't, I have not experienced it at home, but I had a colleague, I was a coach, I had a co-teacher who would just be like, I don't know how to do this. Mm -hmm. And then my students would suffer or I would get in trouble for not doing something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it could be that, but it could also be not taking care of the kids well enough. Yes. Or like doing things that are dangerous. Yep. The standard of care that you talk about of like the minimum standard of care, like what does it mean for our house to be clean? Like, what does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? That is the most fascinating thing because it's all, it's all not negotiation, but it's all like this communication that you have to have with each other. And I think so many men come into relationships. I'm a straight woman. So I'm like, I'm having relationships with men. They come into these relationships, having lived in their mother's house. And then it's like, well, it's the standard of care that my mom had. And it's like, well, I'm not your mom. <laughs> and so I think the conversation around it. So, you know, talking about taking care of the children and what that means or what the dish, what it means to get the dishes done. I don't, I think so many people don't want to have those conversations and, or, you know, they're tired and the mental load and all of these things. And it's like, I just want to do the dishes and be over with it. I used to, my ex and I used to fight about like, I, cause I was like, I'll just do the dishes. You don't want to do them when they're done. And I was like, I'm not going to have this argument with you for the rest of my life. That was my position. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'll just do the dishes. But then about every 10 weeks, I would be like, I'm going crazy because I'm doing all the dishes and I'm doing all the cooking. And you have no problem using as many dishes in the day as you want because somebody's going to do them for you. And he would say, we'll just leave them for tonight or just leave them for tomorrow morning. And it's like, that's not the standard of care that there's no negotiation. Why, why should we live to your standard of care and not even consider mine? And I think that's part of the martyrdom is that we're expected to be like, well, you don't care that they're not done. So I guess I'm supposed to not care also, or I care. And then I'm the one that does them. There's no feedback from him of being like, well, I see that this matters to you. That's the part. Right. Yeah. I see that this matters to you. And I'll tell you, there's a negotiation. And especially in fair play, people are resistant to even having these conversations because they think it's going to, I don't know, they're not going to benefit anymore. But like my husband had dishes and he would not do them until the morning and then forget to do them. And then it'd right. be night. And I'd be like, I can't cook because right. the dishes are not done. When we, when I, we've been together 13 years, we had to like undo this pattern of, I was like, why are you hurting? Why are you doing this to me? Right. I'm not doing the mm -hmm. dishes. And finally I was like, okay, but why for real? Yeah. Why is this not getting done? He's six, seven. Our sink is like at his knees. Interesting. <laughs> and he was like, by the end of the day, the kids are asleep. You've struggled to get them in bed. And now I'm going to come home and rattle around in the kitchen on my, and my back is hunched over. And so I save it for the morning and then I don't pass through the kitchen to go to my car. I go through the front door. I don't see it. Mm. I'm not doing this to you on purpose. And so we were like, okay, right. let's yeah. figure, right. maybe you do laundry. I do dishes. Right. Right. Sweet. Right. But we had right. to show up in good faith. Right. Right. Weaponized incompetence is not good faith. It is not no, good faith. No. And I'm, and I, 
I have so many things to say. Number one, I feel like I'm seeing this pattern of, and I'm going to say myself included, very educated, strong, amazing, powerful women who end up with men who love to sit on the couch and sit on the couch and sit on the couch and then they go to sleep and then they get up and then they go to work and that's it. And I was spinning plates on high in high heels with two children and running mm-hmm. a company and um, dying. I'm going to say dying. Right. Yeah, so, and then when I started talking about it to my friends who were also powerful, amazing women, they were like, wait, your husband's supposed to do these things. Your husband's supposed to like X, Y, Z. What's the relationship I'm sure you've seen between these high powered women um, ending up with these men? And I also want to ask too, like, you don't necessarily know what your relationship is going to pan out to look like, like, you know, with equity and everything, when you meet somebody at a bar and you're 23, right? So, so I'm just so curious your thoughts on that with these women that you would look at in the public sphere and you'd be like, wow, they're changing the world and they're so amazing. And then at home, they're like, do like maids they're like maids servants it's so tricky in my opinion and I want to hear both of your thoughts because I was her, I was her yeah mm-hmm. I found my partner at 20 mm-hmm. and played house because I thought that's what you were supposed to do yeah. and then by the time I was 27 and having 28 getting married having kids I was like okay we both signed on for equity right like you think I'm a badass you want me to do Mm -hmm. great things. This is where we're at. And then I was like, well, where did this come from? This is, I hate this. Yeah. (laughs) And I am so thankful that I got to a point where I was like, no, I can't like, we're either done or this version is done. Right. And he was like, this version is done. Something had to die though. Right. Something. Oh yeah. And there was probably a grieving process about the relationship that you had had. Totally. And it's an everyday unlearning for me that's been going on for years and years of, again, I thought what made me good was my ability to manage it all. I thought I was valuable and smart and strong and powerful. And people would be like, oh, you're working full time and taking care of the kids and he works nights you're going to school after they sleep and I was like I yeah I am Mm -hmm. you are a badass yeah (laughs) right right but that's it's so internalized and I feared that if you know I was like I'm speaking up and I'm asking for help and he's helping me I feared that if I was like no I'm gonna put stuff down I don't just need you to pick stuff up I'm gonna put a lot down and what I say often and what he agrees with is like, I want what you have. I want what you had. Yeah. How do we make it so that both of our time is protected and we both, you know, I deal with guilt a lot, Mm. but like, how do we shift that? Do you think that? But I want to hear what you say. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, do you think some of this come, because we're all a similar age, right? I feel like we were raised in this time where it was like, you can be anything almost, but you also have to be a great wife and yeah. take care of your spouse, right? So we, we were holding all these things and all these plates at one time. So you can be a great teacher and a great nurse and a great secretary. Um, that's pretty much it, right? You cannot go found <laughs> a business. You can't go and you can't become president as we saw, right? All these things. But also mm-hmm. at the same time, you go girl, right? I mean, look, being raised in the 90s, everything, the stickers, right? You go girl, girls rule, boys mm-hmm. rule, the whole thing. 
And then also at the same time, there was still this thread of generational trauma coming through, right, from the older generations where it was, you are supposed to take care of your partner. Yeah. So we then were raised in this generation where it was like, you have to do it all and take yeah. care of your partner. Can you talk a little bit, Laura, before we let you go about the, the relationship between when weaponized incompetence does become abuse? Because I suffered that. What is the relationship between weaponized incompetence and emotional abuse? And kind of, I feel like it's happening a lot more than we're talking about. From my experience, I I do know it's stealing your autonomy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You don't, when you don't have Mm -hmm. autonomy over your time, over your hygiene, your health, your, and a lot of times, honestly, it's money. A lot of these Mm -hmm. people are stay-at-home parents and they don't have, they can't trust the safety of their children to go out and get a job. Yep. So they are stuck. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And one of my big platforms is helping women uh, get my work from home because that's what yeah. I had to do. I started my own business from home because of that. Um, that's such a great question. You know, I think that that is totally what it comes down to. They steal your soul and they yeah. make you feel like less of a, like like you are not even human. And it really affects, obviously, not just the marriage, but the parenting and, you know, that kind of generation that you're trying to build next as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I just think it's something that for me, I'm getting to be more vocal about it because it was such a, um, it, you know, it did, it cut me down to the core and it took me years to build myself back up from a lot of that. And, you know, I always say with emotional abuse, it's so nuanced that the one thing you say to one person, the one person is not going to sound like abuse, you know, to somebody else, but I'm just so appreciative that you are speaking up. You know, the world doesn't really like loud women and we have to find each other. We do know. We do like, we have to find each other, you know, yeah. and we have to stick together yeah. to, to really change the world because there's a lot of people who don't think that women should still have the things that they have. And um, so if somebody is like looking to kind of go through a life change, maybe leave the job, leave their job or, you know, have some sort of pivot, what would be words of advice that you would give to them? So I, I actually, this was kind of a light bulb moment for me recently. Um, if you're hoping for something and like, I don't know, maybe they'll change. Maybe they'll, uh, maybe one day I'll be able to get, go get a job, whatever. If you're waiting for something to happen, imagine it won't ever yeah and then make your choices that way mm-hmm. yeah I, <laughs> I was like oh yeah <laughs> give yeah. me the courage to to really or in like shed some of the guilt of things that I was choosing it to lights do. that fire right it lights that fire mm-hmm. to go um and then a fun question that we always ask our guests before they go what was the last best thing that you ate and loved um, I want to say uh here in Chicago there is a he burrito place and what is that? Hiberito Imas. So it's a sandwich, a steak, lettuce, tomato, garlic, delicious sandwich. And it's got two plantains for bread. Ooh, oh my Ooh, gosh. That's my favorite. <laughs> wow. Wow. That sounds amazing. It's so good. Okay. Um, yeah, I love coming. that. Well, Laura, yeah. we're just, we're thrilled to talk to you. We could literally talk to you forever and yes. ever. Um, what's coming up next for you? What's, what's 2023 look like for Laura? And that darn chat. Um, well, I'm very excited about it. I'm writing a book. I was gonna ask. I was gonna <laughs> ask. I knew it. I had Amazing. a feeling. I knew. Yeah. 
Yes, that's very yes, exciting. That's the big project. Um, I've got several months to write it, but it's time consuming and exciting and fulfilling. And yeah. Congratulations. So, forthcoming book. Well, we we're so excited to support you in that. Well, thank you mm -hmm. for being here today and, you know, being vulnerable and honest and sharing everything. And more importantly, thank you for changing the world literally and what you're doing and for using your voice for good and for helping women see that they don't have to settle and that there's another way. So keep up the amazing work. And we're, we're really proud to call you friends. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to today's story. We're always here and we're proud of you. Until next time, brave one. A Fresh Story is brought to you by Fresh Starts Registry, the first and only platform for everything you need to start again. You can read the show notes and learn more about today's episode at freshstartsregistry.com slash podcast. Mm -hmm.